3: Welcome to it into a Wednesday with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel, and you—lots to get into with uh, Nebraska, Michigan State. We'll hear from Mister Mel, Coach Tucker, part of his presser, and Elijah, brother. Usually, I try and do a lot of the edi- editing and sifting through. You're a you're a true champion for. Forty-one minutes, of Mel Tucker. And Mel's awesome, but Mel's not exactly dynamic as a speaker. He talks uh, like he just—it's like just a normal, this cool, chill conversation. Nice. And slow. <laughs> Mel's, hey, Mel Tucker was good to us in Boulder. Wasn't good to Nebraska, obviously, in Boulder. But, hey, he has got his Spartan folks fired up. And uh, we are now 24 hours removed from the self-nickname uh, or the revisited nickname of the Woodhouse. I get a kick out of that. We'll, we'll dive into, you know, what is walking into. And we've been doing this show for a lot of years we've been doing this show for a lot of years in the frost era and you look back to games right and it's been such a you know a roller coaster with uh, trying to grasp momentum kind of keep your feet and then get downhill in a good way literally for this football team and we've circled games we said this thing is huge so important, monster game, tipping point. Listen, it do, doesn't it feel like Uber, Uber, they're all important, but doesn't this feel just super important? Saturday night, 6 o'clock, FS1, Nebraska gets to go into a place, whack a ranked team. It's so about the opportunity again. It, it is. I mean, it's. you've golfed with me. You put one in the water? Can you put the next one on the green? <laughs> okay. And or or stay in bounds for me. So, we'll dive into to the magnitude of this thing and, and just what Nebraska's walking into. Uh coming out Mike Babcock with HailVarsity.com and magazine. We'll get Babber's thoughts on where the Big Red's at after four games and what this fifth one means. Mike Schuhart, Shuey's going to join us. And uh, we'll talk about yips a little bit as it relates to kicking and golf because there's a lot of golf uh, metaphor involved with kicking. So, Shuey will be with us from Wilderness Ridge. And then, hour two, we'll dive a little deeper into the offensive line play and some optimism and some reality from uh, one of the greats, uh, NFLer and uh, Nebraska Hall of Famer, All American, for the Big Red, the Pipeline. Uh, Rob Zadiska, Dr. Rob, our doctor uh, of run game, will join us. And then a jock doc on the patella tendon region as uh, we're all thinking about Gabe Irvin. Numbers to get in, 466-3776, 466-3776, 800-825-5865. We'll have a chance to get you a pair of tasting passes for Friday. Before the show is done at Haymarket Park with Sip, Nebraska, it's pretty awesome. Uh, And they've got uh, wine, craft beers, brews. It's a really cool event uh, to get your weekend going. Incredible weather here in the eastern part of the state. You can email the show. Do so. Chris at HaleVarsity.com. And uh, you're always welcome to tweet at us. Give us a follow. uh, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio or uh, find Elijah on Twitter at uh herbal essence from uh is, is where you find elijah you had um greg from michigan email in and he's uh all about this nebraska uh, michigan state game he's going his kid graduated from michigan state he's going saturday he is uh on the, uh, I think, the, the, the section 22, Greg, and he's wondering if we're going there. And I'm like, brother, um, don't know that I'm making consecutive road trips. Would be fun. Someday that lottery number will come through. But as of now, we've got to kind of pace ourselves. And that's my question. Mel Tucker, we'll hear from him in a second, touched on just keeping the red out. It's a big ask, isn't it, Elijah, to get Nebraska fans uh, with the way this program's been up or down. You've not had a lot of road success. There's been not a ton of home success. They're working on it. I'm not piling on. I'm just saying the reality is this. You're trying to put together your first winning season. You're at least at 500 right now. And uh, quite honestly, you could be 4-0. and At worst, you could be 3-1. and You are what you are right now at 2-2. and And that's it, it's a big ask to go... On the road in the Big Ten, if you're a Nebraska fan, if you don't live in the region, it's not Lawrence, it's not Ames, it's not the Little Apple, it's yeah. not Boulder. It's I mean, we just went to Norman, but it's hard to, unless you had it planned. I think a lot of folks, you know, jumped all over Oklahoma because of the nostalgia. There's a few Nebraska, quite a few Nebraska fans in Illinois. God love you for making that roadie and staying in that town. And then, the, you know, Minnesota's a fun trip, good town, great city. And that's kind of maybe it. Uh, there's been horror stories of, of of Wisconsin and Madison, but we'll we'll do that at some point. Fun town, fun town, yeah, absolutely fun town. Some uh, some aggressive fans for sure. A little bit, but it's it's hard to ask. Okay, you just you just did the big red tour to Norman, and then are you going to Spartanville? Ten
1: and a half hours to East right. right. Yeah, I mean, and, and and you could make a, a quick. St- hit stop pass touchdown jesus notre dame's out in the way yes but, yes you can but uh, southern michigan not all that much to see
3: <laughs> it, you know it's it's interesting our notre dame trip we drove i think we drove through we, we drove through this is 21 years ago drove through chicago drove through uh, ann arbor on the way to to south bend that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I wasn't driving. It was Cranack. It was a hazy, hazy road trip. Well, I actually made a, a trip to Michigan. What would that been about uh, two months ago? I was picking up some FedEx trucks. It's a long story. <laughs> you and Krain, I mean, what, were you just Seinfeld binging and, and and you and Newman decided to jump in the old FedEx vehicle? It was, to, it was to me and my things? uncle.
1: He's like, I bought some FedEx trucks. I need someone to to drive them back to Nebraska with me, and I went. What's in it for me? And he said, one trip to an Applebee's in Michigan. And I said, I'm in. (laughs) Need the boneless.
3: (laughs) Give me the boneless, please. But let's get into Nebraska, Michigan. Let's talk about this nickname and reputation thing. Really good column by Tom Chattel, as always. And you know what comes first, the nickname or the reputation. And you can say that about this vaunted woodshed, right? That's what Nick Saban nicknamed. The uh, Spartan Stadium, it was the woodshed. Well, he had some nice wins at, at Michigan State before he got to better recruiting country down at LSU, before Miami, before Alabama. And I can say the same thing about a couple of units for Nebraska. What are you known as? Well, you've got the pipeline and you have the black shirts. Kind of a big reputation game, isn't it? Big reputation game for this pipeline. And in the way the O-line has played, it's not been consistent. So uh, throwback Husker fans are a little squeamish about saying pipeline. You can aspire to be the pipeline. Good luck and God bless trying to get there eventually. Uh, Because they were great. They were incredible. They're also, you know, three years together. Uh, Guys that, that earned rep time after a redshirt sophomore season right 3 years in the program you know a a, a fourth year junior or a, a, a you know a fifth year senior type setup where guys got watered they got seasoned they got developed they got reps they had a number of guys they grew up with on the line playing with and then it was it it took it, even then it took some settling in time and it was all right because you're behind a guy like Will Shields Uh, Or guys that followed a Uyghurt or a Zadiska or an Aaron Graham, like a Dishman, right? Guys that were awesome, great football players. Eric Anderson, amazing offensive line that followed and still won championships. Don't forget the year you went back to back. You lost four-fifths of that offensive line from 94 to 95. The offensive line does not have that right now. What they have, and, and there's that also discussion point of, all right, when's a guy stop being young? You got some kids that are now uh, pretty, they're quite a few games into their careers. They've had quite a few starts. And I think a, a lot of these guys, Elijah, and you can speak to it as an offensive lineman, it's you can get rattled and you can get rattled by some big, bad dude coming off the edge. And you've had two instances, and Buffalo was pretty good as well. But specifically, uh, there may be some fringe Sunday guys on Illinois. Okay, There's a lot of Sunday guys in that front seven for Oklahoma. You're going to see some more Sunday guys, Ohio State, Michigan. uh, Northwestern's been pretty good. You'll see some Sunday guys at Michigan State. But you're not gonna see the same Sunday dudes as you just saw at Oklahoma, but the reality's still there. It's third and eight. Adrian needs time, and you got your two tackles that I think are good players. I just think they're they're fighting it a little bit. I think they're one may not be a thousand percent healthy. the other uh, started off okay and is a good player. and then every everything you see on social media. Your interior, whether it's a kick attempt or you're just trying to run between the tackles, and this isn't – I'm taking Jurgens out of this critique because he's been pretty good. The guys around him need to, 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 to play at his level, and they, they just haven't got there. I think with time, they can be good ball players. And do you eject and, and continue to find different – or do you stick with what you got and keep chopping wood, so to speak? And eventually, it kind of comes together. We'll see. You know, back to the nickname take. You know, what's in a nickname? And do you live up to the to the gloss? Is it is Nebraska going to be more pipeline like Saturday in the run game? And the black shirts—they played really well. They've done a good job. They've got to be even better. They've got to raise their game. Uh, from last Saturday to this Saturday against the run because while Michigan State's really good at being balanced when we look at their numbers, uh, their passing game lives off their running game because of play action. You make it third third and eight, third and seven, third and six because it's second and nine. You know, I think Nebraska's interior we'll need to have something to say defensively with how this thing shakes out Saturday. We well, have to keep it more than third and 8.7 because
1: I guess that's what Kenneth Walker's going to do to every
3: single play. Sure, <laughs> sure. Well, and he, can't, he can't get lathered up. And it, it, Michigan State's going to want to have seven-minute drives. Could be a two-hour ball game. And you're going to need to get some stops. Things could shape up a lot like last Saturday. Nebraska's plan was to hold on to the football. Well, Michigan State will no doubt in turn want to keep adrian watching from the sideline. Nebraska yeah, and yeah, welcome to the Big 10. And, and, and Nebraska's going to have to roll their sleeves up and do some work defensively. So, you know, I look at this what this game is 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 uh, it's again another chance off the T-box for Nebraska to seize a moment. There's always been a moment that has blown up things momentum-wise. You could argue last weekend it was the, the blocked extra point in return for two. It zaps things. The strip sack before half, the fumble against Illinois was the hand grenade. So Nebraska needs to either not have that momentum-changing, energy-zapping play, clean themselves up, we'll, we'll believe it when we see it, or they've just got to respond better. Well, with with Mel Tucker saying how much energy he expects there to be in the
1: quote-unquote woodshed this weekend, it's all about – yeah, I mean, that, that that's how a football game goes, is you're going to give that home crowd energy at some point in this game. Something's going to go wrong for you. That's just the game of football. The question is, can you step up and do enough to take energy away from that home stadium to give yourself enough momentum to escape that place with a win? It's going to be a tough place to go get a win. The question in my mind is, can you go uh, get a turnover on defense? Uh, can you uh, score a long touchdown, Some an explosive play that really just silences that crowd early uh, and, and keep them quiet, keep them sitting on their hands? Because if you can do that again, against a home crowd, you're giving yourself a lot better chance to win. Look at how it almost felt like that game got out of hand for Nebraska after that block extra point. Scott Frost had a, a very smart timeout after that kickoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that got tackled, uh, I think it was on the own Nebraska 10, uh, and it kind of silenced that, that Norman crowd just a little bit. you, you got to do something with your play on the field to silence the crowd as opposed to a, a Scott Frost timeout. Make a play uh, to silence the home crowd and give yourself a chance.
3: We'll get into this with Babbers, but do you feel as a Nebraska fan Saturday – is one of these pivotal moments in the season. There's a lot of season left, but based on Saturday's results, I ask the pivotal moment question because from an interest standpoint, think about what you can do. Uh, You can get over 500. you You've got a couple of home games. You can get the fan base maybe bought back in or, or more interested or locked in versus waning interest if you're 2-3 and going into Northwestern. You still have a shot. Say you you lose Saturday, you beat Northwestern. All crazy assumptions because anything can happen on a Saturday in the Big Ten. And then Harbaugh and Michigan roll in with a chance for you. I mean, you can put a three-game win streak together going into Minnesota. You can also trade off and really totally be 500 with going into your bye week at 500 above 500 or below 500 and then the gauntlet really cranks up with your October and into November thoughts from Mike Babcock on the way Rob Zadiska part of the pipeline next hour it's Hail Varsity
2: and we're back fellas did we could listen to the radio on Hail Varsity radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery yes that's awesome
3: Give you a chance here at a pair of Sip Nebraska seats for Haymarket Friday. A lot of spirits out there. Gorgeous weather. Uh, That on the way. We welcome in uh, Mr. Husker himself, uh, Mike Babcock, historian, author, Hall of Famer, Hail Varsity Magazine, At MD MDBabs on Twitter. Babbers, how's your Wednesday, bud?
4: Hey, it's all good. It's all good. Kind of a cool, pleasant day.
3: It is very cool and pleasant, and yet fall in the air. And what's we'll start off here with just some Michigan State stuff. What what's your take on on Sparty right now, as far as believability with their three and O start, their record, their performance? You know what what's Nebraska walking into Saturday?
4: Well, I think it's a challenge, and you know as we've talked before, I think you know the important thing for Nebraska. It's not just talent and, you know, who's playing at what position. It's believing that you're going to win, um, whether you do or you don't. And I think Nebraska went to Norman and believed that, uh, you know, the Huskers believed that they were going to win, and uh, they didn't. But, uh, you know, conceivably they could have. Uh, And I think they have to have that same mentality going to Michigan State. And that's why I think the Michigan State game is so important. Um, because you have to see the same kind of effort at Michigan State that you saw at Oklahoma. Um, And I'm I'm not saying that Nebraska needs to win the game, but, uh, you know, it's a ranked opponent, it's there, the environment, all the things to take into consideration. You have to believe in yourself that you can win. Um, And if Nebraska shows that, um, then I think that uh, things are – Things are going in the right direction. If not, then I think everything that was gained by the performance at Oklahoma is is probably uh, by the wayside.
3: So, Babbers, we're talking a little bit of proof, aren't we?
4: Yes, yes. Let's let's uh, you know because there was so much made of the rivalry and I, going into the Oklahoma game, and I I think that was part of the sh- sort of shaky start. I mean, no matter how how you believe in yourself, going into that thing. There was so much publicity about the rivalry and whatever, it was difficult to block that out. And I think that, uh, you know, uh, first possession, uh, Nebraska had eight penalties in the game, four of them were on that first possession. So I think there was a little bit of, uh, you know, uneasiness or whatever by the players, but I think they kind of got things squared away there. And, yeah, uh, Michigan State now becomes confirmation.
3: Mike Babcock's with us. Hail Varsity Magazine, HailVarsity dot That's a great word confirmation. And you've got you got to travel it. You got to travel it from from Norman to Lincoln Monday through Thursday, and then to East Lansing. Let's get to the offensive line for a moment. And do you view this group as? Still young, does that label get – does that band-aid get tore off because you're now a season plus four and more, in some instances, into starts? You saw Hickson, and then you saw Piper. Uh, you've seen the tackles. Every one of those kids is trying, but you've got Cam doing his thing, and then everybody else – and I'm not saying this negatively, but Cam's been pretty dominant uh, – not so much with the other position groups. As far as the progress of the O-line, uh, in your history covering this program, is, is there a point in the season where they either are what they are or is there a jumping-off point as far as where they can improve?
4: Well, I think they can improve. I, the thing that concerns me, I guess, or I don't know if "concerns" the right word, but the, the offensive line is not where I thought it would be at this point. I, I thought the offensive line would be much more uh, in tune with things, and I, I didn't think that they'd still be trying to sort of settle into something. You know, Brock Bando, I think, is maybe going to be back now and have an opportunity at guard, too. Um, but it, but I just feel like the offensive line would, would would be further along at this point than than what I've seen so far, although, again, um, after the shaky start at Oklahoma, I thought they, they played a little bit better up front. Um, still, uh, Martinez was under a lot of pressure, and, and it was a tribute to him uh, that, uh, that he did uh, what he did in that game.
1: Yeah, Mike, coming into the season, the the word from the Husker coaching staff was they thought the Husker offensive line was going to be one of the strengths of the team, uh, and in reality, it's probably been the biggest weakness on the team through four games. Uh, I mean, just, just, is there a problem in assessment? Like, what what do you make of that, that the Husker coaching staff was so wrong on this offensive line?
4: You know, that's a good question, Elijah, and I, I agree with you. I think the offensive line and special teams, probably, uh, are probably the two areas that, uh, I thought they'd both be far, you know, further along than than they are, and because of the emphasis on those things. But uh, um, yeah, I don't I don't know what the explanation is because I think there are, you know, are talented players there, um, and 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 like Smitty said, you know, the most of them had a season in four games at least uh, to get things worked out, and you figure that that's going to be the case at that point. Um, so. You know, hopefully we'll see something different uh, on Saturday uh, from the offensive line from the start uh, and consistently because, again, Adrian Martinez needs that kind of protection to be successful and the running game needs that offensive line to be effective in order for the running game to be effective. So it's, it's... as I always say, just over and over again, but it all starts up front. You know that you've got to have a good offensive line if you want to get things done the way Nebraska wants to do them.
3: Mike Babcock's with us. Find him on Twitter at MDBabs. Mike, uh, back to Oklahoma for a second. Do you think they're still playoff material? Did, did Oklahoma deliver for you the eye test, or uh, were they maybe a little overhyped?
4: Well, you know, I don't know. I, I I don't want to diminish anything that Nebraska did in the, in, in that context, but by the same token, um, I don't think uh, you know Tulane is any threat to be in the playoffs. And and uh, Tulane played the Sooners within five points, um, so I think Sooners still have something to prove. And uh, you know, the couple of unranked teams that they played, and again, the rivalry thing and all that, you know, could have could impact. Uh, what happened there in Norman, but, um, I, you know, I w- if I were a Sooner fan, I would come away a little bit concerned, um, particularly because of those two games. Um, this is not the Oklahoma team that we thought we were going to see um, from that standpoint. And, I, you know, I think that, uh, I don't know, I, I just think Nebraska's defense played pretty well and Oklahoma's offense wasn't as impressive as I thought it would be. And, you know, I didn't think that. Uh, Rattler always made great decisions.
1: Mike, I was pretty impressed by the performance of Omar Manning on Saturday. I think that was kind of evidenced by uh, his availability to the media yesterday. Do you think that we're going to see more of Omar as we move forward this season? I mean, there were some questions early in the season of why we weren't seeing him and then uh, we got to see him a little bit more against Oklahoma.
4: Yeah, no, I think so. I think we'll, we'll see him a little bit more. Um, you would like to get uh, Oliver Martin in there at some point. Get him healthy and playing, but um, yeah, I, I I was impressed with Manning, and you know it can't be all Toure. Uh, you've got to get some help there. So I think it was just a you know it was one of the positives I think that came out of that, um, and the fact that Bocock came back. And uh, yeah, there. I just yes, and answer to your question. I I, I think that uh, uh, Manning will see will we'll, we'll see more of him.
3: Babbers is is Saturday night. Key. Let's talk fan base here and engagement. You got a chance to go to to three and two. Uh, how, based on your experience, how do you think the fan base reacts to another Oklahoma performance? Maybe not mistakes, but you're on the road against a ranked team at night, and it's it's a field goal ball game. Another close loss.
4: Well, uh, yeah, no, I think just looking at Twitter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is, which that's, is wrong. That's right? always, I, I that's always uplifting.
3: That because,
4: yeah. I shouldn't be looking at Twitter. Um, I don't post anything on there, but I, I look at it. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I think fans are getting to the point where it's like, yeah, that was a great effort, but it goes in the, in the loss column. And at some point, Nebraska's got to get – it's got to be in the win column. Believing that you can win and then having the talent to do it and then playing – without mistakes to do it, you got to get those things together. Um, so another another close loss, I don't know how people are going to respond. I'd, I would guess that they're not going to be overly uh, excited about that because you know I said going into the season, Illinois was a critical game mm-hmm. for Nebraska to finish 500 and certainly to finish seven and five. didn't win that game. Um, so now you're trying to you know you're trying to pick up the pieces there. Um, so you know, at some point you got to start winning if you want to be bowl eligible, and uh, Michigan State would be a great place to start. Is but, it, uh, one game at a time?
3: Is this is this like one of those keys? And there's 40 swing games on this schedule, right? But is yeah. this the swing game that gets you to postseason?
5: Maybe.
4: Well, um, from my standpoint, to make up for the Illinois loss, it would be mm-hmm. you know would get back in that position, but. Um, you know, and again, if I see the same team show up at Michigan State, from my standpoint, I'll feel better about the possibility that Nebraska can at least finish 6-6. Six and six. Mm-hmm. Um, If not, then there's concern. But this is really a team where it's like the next game is the most important game. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's no questioning that. There's no team that you can look past. There's no assumption you can make. Um, It's just the next game is the most important focus on that. When it's done, move on to the next one.
1: Mike Babcock's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Mike, just to go back to your comment about Twitter just a second, if you want to enjoy your experience on Twitter.com, you got to follow at Schmidt underscore
3: radio and at Herbal He does. He, has, he does. Do God that. bless him. Those are yeah. the only two people you got to follow. But I'm not on it that much. I'm kind of like Babbers. <laughs> I just lurk and laugh.
1: <laughs> but, uh, but Mike, we heard from Joel Klatt on the show yesterday. I guess it was his comments after the game Saturday saying he thinks Nebraska is going to get one of either Iowa, uh, Ohio State, Wisconsin, or Michigan this season. Uh I'm not sure I want to call that premature, but but don't you want to see what Nebraska does against Michigan State before you would say something like that?
4: Oh, yeah, definitely. Like I said, it's really the next game that they play is the most important. Don't look beyond that because at this point, um, this, this team has not shown any reason for us to do it any other way. The next game is the most important one. Let's see how they play, and then we'll move on to the next one. So, yeah, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't deny it. I wouldn't say it. I just I want to see what happens in East Lansing.
3: Babbers, about 15 seconds, but what's coming up from you with Hale Varsity?
4: Uh, well, uh, we're getting ready for the next issue of the magazine, trying to figure out what we're going to do there. But the, the one thing I would say quickly is that Sam Fultz and Mike Sadler are going to be honored before the game in Michigan State. I think that's great.
3: I think you're right on with that. Uh, two great uh, kids taken too soon. And uh, it'll be uh, special to have them honored again. Mike, always appreciate you, man. Great insight. Thanks for the time today.
2: Hey, thanks for having me, guys.
3: There he is. Mike Babcock with us on Hale Varsity. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Some O-line thoughts. Dr. Rob Zaniska, part of the pipeline. His take on the Big Red. Post Oklahoma headed into Sparty. 20 minutes away. We say Hi to a guy that's outside and enjoying amazing golf weather on a phenomenal course, Wilderness Ridge, of course. Mike Shuhart with us. Shuey, what is up? How you doing on a Wednesday?
6: I'm doing awesome.
3: I need and to be I'm out with you.
6: Him. I'm watching <laughs> him work on the Lazy River. How about that?
3: That is incredible. Uh, the point is, is you can just stroll to the first tee box and enjoy 76 and sunny with no wind.
6: Oh, man, is it nice out. I am, any better it's a, a top 5 day.
3: Oh it is and I'm targeting some place to play Saturday ahead of Nebraska Michigan State get get the old boy. nerves out my man. So, <laughs> Shuey, we, uh we'll get to some football thoughts in a, in a sec. Ryder Cup, uh your take on this. C- can the US get along with one another for a week?
6: <laughs> Doesn't sound like it. but yeah they will once that competition starts and then it's like mm, u.s versus europe man that'll all that stuff will go away and uh the competition blood will get flowing energy will be up and it's now you're now you're trying to beat that other team across from you so that stuff all kind of goes away
3: some of the leaders on the ryder cup the captains I mean, you got to call a huddle in the clubhouse over a game of cards and maybe a whiskey, and just you might have to tell everyone to just chill.
6: You might have to. There's some competitive boys in that group, and they don't like one another. So, I'm sure that some of those little games get a little heated.
3: I'd say so. I mean, any uh, any examples from from uh, fairways past, Shoey, in your career where? couple of guys didn't like each other, but they were able to coexist surprisingly
6: oh yeah you know it's there there used to be a group that used to play all the time in the tournaments, and uh they would play their practice rounds together all the time and the one day they were playing, they got to the last hole and if the one guy made the putt in the last hole, he was going to make more money in that gambling game than the guy that was going to win the tournament that week. Oh, wow. So, yeah, they used to get heated. They used to yell at each other, but every man, every practice round they played together just because they loved that. They loved that competition of that gambling. So they came from quite wealthy backgrounds, so they could kind of do that.
3: (laughs) What, uh, what's your take on whistling straights?
6: It's incredible. It's, I played the PGA championship there, uh, 90. Can't remember what year it was. It's been so long ago. So it's a fabulous golf course. I mean, it's, it's, uh, intimidating. That's a Pete Dye golf course. Super intimidating, visually intimidating off the tee. He puts stuff out there that hides certain things and makes it very intimidating hitting your shots in there, uh, so it'll be an interesting test. To me, it favor it's more European style a little bit. They're kind of they kind of play more golf courses that are a little like that. But they've played there so many times in different majors that the U.S. U.S. team has played there a ton of times. So it'll be an interesting test.
1: Mike, f- forgive my ignorance a little bit here, but I know the United States has had a, a terrible record on foreign soil in the Ryder Cup. They've only won, I think, in the past 10 or 15 years when they're playing on home soil. Uh, so why is that? And and you say that it, this, this course favors the Europeans a little bit more. Um, is it just not a course you're going to want to go out there and, and ball strike your way around? I mean, I know that's what DeShambeau and Kepka do so well.
6: Yeah, it's, it's just more it's more typical to what they play on the European tour, look-wise. You know, so they're just a little more comfortable with something that looks like that. Uh, And the Europeans, they just, they they play better as a team and in that environment. They just just play better. I mean, they, they play for what it really means, which is they're playing for their country. They're playing for their fellow competitors that they're playing with. You know, so they just, they have a tendency to elevate their gains and rise to the occasion. You know, you look you look at it on paper, and it looks like the U.S. probably is a stronger team. But, man, nah, the Ryder Cup is a different animal. You can throw all that out the window when they square off against one another. I mean, it's a matter of who can rise to the occasion, um, who can handle the pressure that they're under, because it's extremely... Uh, difficult with the crowds and the amount of yelling and cheering and rooting and you know for what it means. The Europeans just have a tendency to do that. Some of that they just they play they play a few more events that are like that. There are more team. US players don't play many team events. you know they, they, they're all individual events. So but I think they're just more suited to it. They're more comfortable with it. So I think that's why, and they used to get their brains beat in all the time. They got tired of it, you know, and, it, and and the European players are getting better. I mean, all players are getting better. There's just a lot more of the European players, and they are a lot better players.
3: Mike Schuart's with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, let's talk the yips, specifically uh, with the kicker <laughs> and, uh, and golf. And tell me about curing the yips if you're uh, trying to, to hit a field goal here Saturday to win it.
6: Boy, that is tough when you get them, you know, because you get a lot of a lot of distractions going on in your head mm-hmm. that affect you. You know, when you're hitting it right down the middle of the fairway every time, it gets easy because you don't hit it left or right. Man, you hit it a few times left or right in bad places, and then you start thinking about it. Then, as you start thinking about it, then you try to start fixing it, and it's like then when you're trying to fix and kick. Or hit a shot. It's very similar. I mean, it gets gets a little crazy. I heard a, I heard a comment the other day that made a lot of sense to me. Why he's going through what he's going through? You know, last year he never kicked in front of anybody. That's fair. This year he's kicking in front of ninety thousand people. You know, that that's a whole different environment when you got people there screaming and yelling, as opposed to not. You know, you're just kind of in your own. Little world. And then you start missing a few. Then, like I said, man, you start thinking about it. And it, and where he's at right now, it's going to be tough. I mean, he, he just needs to make a few in a row. And then he'll calm himself down and he'll be just fine. But, man, getting yourself to be able to do that is not the easiest thing in the world.
3: Well, it's like the walking dead on the interior of the line. Legit. Yeah, I mean, there's people just busting through the wall.
6: Exactly. You know, so everything is knocking, you know, more pressure, more pressure, more pressure, more. And sometimes the harder you try, the worse it gets. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like you just got to go through your routine. You got to go through what it is you do every day in practice. And you got to stick to that. And it, way easier said than done, but you got to stick to what works. And you got to stick to that. And it's it's hard to do at times, you know. But that's how you get through it.
3: Should we, a quick take, uh, confidence-wise, you feeling better about OU? From the OU to Michigan State, about, about a minute. Less than a minute.
6: Uh, uh, we'll see. This week will be a little bit more telling on whether they actually just had a good game, you know, or they actually took a step in the right direction. Will you, you know, be watching you this say, game? Yeah, I, I watched the OU game. Oh, I'm couldn't... proud of you. And uh their defense plays good. Yeah. Their defense has actually played that's been the bright spot. Yeah. You know? And there's our offense has just gotta, gotta do what he says our offense can do and they gotta learn to play a little more mistake free and they have to get their special team. They can't you just can't leave that many points out there. You're gonna get beat every time. I don't care how good you are.
3: Chewy we'll uh we'll check in next week, buddy. Thanks for the time today.
2: Always thank you. Stay safe. And now,
3: and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Mike Schuhart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Good stuff on the Ryder Cup, and yes, his thoughts on the old yips. Babbers was earlier this hour, Mike Babcock. Rob Zadiska, Dr. Rob, a Husker Pipeline member. And Husker Hall of Famer takes on the O-line, Oklahoma, and Sparty in 10 minutes with Mike, with uh, Rob Zadiska. Dr. Rob, we'll hear from, uh, from old Mel, Mel Tucker at 525, and uh, a, a jock doc before we wind down. Reminder about buckling up 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska. Not wearing a seat belt. if used properly. A seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury. By up to 60%, your best defense in any crash. Buckling up, brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Some NFL thoughts real quick. Should be an intriguing Sunday with uh, Justin Fields getting the nod. The Red Rifle out due to injury. Of course, Tua done with some cracked ribs for a while. And... You know, how it was kind of a shocking loss. Baltimore's a really good football team, but for Kansas City to kind of blow a double-digit lead like that, that's one they'll, they'll want back, perhaps. And, and definitely driving down to get a field goal at the end before the fumble. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was rough. Uh, you know, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, you want to talk about kind of a make or break early for Pittsburgh? Uh, they host uh, Cincy. Uh, Zona's looked really nice. Uh, early on, Kyler Murray playing at a high level. <laughs> Dare I say your donks can go to three and O. Could go to. The, I mean, they're currently tied for first in the AFC West. I know the Raiders two and two and O as well. They host the Fins. Uh, they're going to finish six and eleven though. I trust Peyton Manning. Okay, and <laughs> the the game of the uh, the weekend man uh, could be Tampa at L. A. Got the Rams hosting the Bucks. Uh, Green Bay. In San Fran, they're off to a 2-0. And, oh, and there will be uh, fights and stabbings, perhaps, as Eagle Fan invades Dallas. Uh, that is your your Monday nighter. 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Uh, numbers to get in. You want to chime in. Uh, Rob Zadiska, again, 10 minutes away. So this event is coming up. Uh, Sip Nebraska Wine, Beer, Spirits. Uh, It is awesome. Uh, Great uh, local product, great local flavor, and going to be an amazing evening at Haymarket Park. Uh, You're invited out to that. Uh, Let's give a... Got a pair of passes here. Let's not forget the weather. Friday night. It's supposed to be That's beautiful. It's supposed to be
1: partly cloudy, which is not the worst thing in the world. You won't get a sunburn. and It's no. supposed to be,
3: I think, in the low seventies. Get yourself a Nebraska brew or get some some wine if you're if you're a wine connoisseur. And uh, these uh, these passes are forty by forty five bucks a pop, so it's a good value. We'll take collar four right now. A uh, pair of passes for the event at Haymarket Park Friday. The Sip Nebraska Tasting Event. Caller 4. Right now, give Elijah a shout. He'll take care of you. 466-3776. 466-3776. Or 800-825-5865. A pair of tasting passes for Friday at Haymarket. The uh, Sip Nebraska Wine, Beer Spirits. Enjoy enjoy. Dr. Rob Zaniska, Husker Pipeline Man. Back into it. at tower two. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We say hi to an All-American, an All-Big Eight performer, and part of that vaunted pipeline offensive line, former NFL vet, and, of course, uh, the good doctor. I'm going to call him the doctor of the run game, and he has a prescription pad ready. Dr. Rob Zadiska <laughs> with us. The pride of Lincoln East. Doctor Rob, what's up, man? Spartans, Good- baby. Yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing East and Southeast tomorrow night, and I love watching East play ball. I'm a Southeast kid, you know, way way back. So it. Uh, no, it's going to be an awesome city matchup. But you're a you're a Spartan man. You wear that blue, don't you?
0: I do. They've. Uh, you know, they're uh, John Gingery, their head coach. I Love Gingery, Who is our he was our defensive coordinator when I played, and I mean, and still. Only the second head football coach in Lincoln East history, so they, they 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 don't switch out much there. But he he's done a he's done a great job there. Man, they've had some really good teams the last couple of years.
3: Well oh, that Walter's kid's incredible to watch. Love their quarterback. He's a lot kid, of fun.
0: Kid can kid can sling the ball. So, well, and they've got some good wideouts too. I mean, there's he, he's got guys helping them, but they they've got a really good team and. Uh, it's fun watching what ging has got going down there right now. Well,
3: absolutely, and your old teammate Sizes, does a great job too. You know, um, down down at East, and well, we could talk high school ball for a while. We we still may get back into it, but Dr. Rob, thoughts on on Nebraska, Oklahoma before we turn our attention to Sparty? You know, as a, as a former Husker, uh, give me the good, the bad, and the ugly.
0: Well, the good – I mean, the the defense has been playing well, but they've been playing well all season, I think. Um, You know, you go back to that Illinois game where Illinois put together a couple of of touchdown drives there in the second half. I think right there in the third quarter. But I think a lot of that was more a result of just the fact that the defense really kind of got left on the field that entire game. I mean, that was – a situation where I think you saw a lack of offensive production, inability to sustain drives and keep the defense off the field. That at some point, especially when you're dealing with a game that was whatever it was, 102 on the field, you got to get your defense off the field. And to some extent, that's largely the offense's job to put some drives together, and they just didn't do that. So I, I don't fault the defense too much in that Illinois game. And so I think even even if you look back to last season, I think you saw some huge improvements with what Shenander's done with this defense in terms of development of the players, the talent that he's brought in on top of that, and the performance that you're seeing on the field right now. So I I think there's a lot of optimism or a lot of cause for optimism when you look at the defensive side of the ball. I thought the offense did some good things, too, in terms of the downfield passing game, getting vertical more so than they had, getting guys like Omar Manning and Xavier Betts involved. There's some guys there that I think can be some serious playmakers. Uh, Getting Vokalik back at tight end, again, that was huge, both from a blocking standpoint as well as pass receiving. He had the really nice pass reception to set up a score. But I think it's almost what gets underrated is how good of a blocker he is. Volklek is an outstanding blocker in the run game. Um, you know, in terms of the bad, I guess the, the thing that's more concerning to me, and you and I were chatting a little bit off air beforehand about this, is the core. You, you phrased it as the finding ways to lose, mm-hmm. and the the thing that's disappointing to me as both a former player and a fan is that you see this continued run of all these little things that continue to haunt Nebraska, whether they win, whether they lose. It's the turnovers, which it's not like Nebraska's turning the ball over left and right. Uh, Martinez had the one interception, incredible play by the Oklahoma player, Um but in my mind, that was essentially darn near a punt. I think mm-hmm. Nebraska was kind of in a tight spot, put it up for grabs, and it was one of those: hey, if if it falls incomplete, they're punting the next play anyway. If they the guy intercepts it, it's as good as a punt, considering he's inside the five yard line. So I don't fault that turnover too much. The special teams miscues and the penalties, however. It, I mean it's almost you know it's almost becoming tiresome talking about it because it's something you see week in and week out and even when you go back and you look at the win over Fordham when you look at the win over Buffalo I think there was a lot of optimism in terms of the good things Nebraska did but they still had those same issues they still had those penalties they still had the special teams miscues, and that continues to haunt this team. And those little things, you know, everybody cracks comments about football being a game of inches. These little things add up, and they do matter. And you saw that in this game: the blocked PAP, thats a three-point swing right there. Mm-hmm. The missed field goals—I know Oklahoma missed some too. So you can say they kind of traded there, but good teams don't miss those field goals. Good teams don't have those PATs blocked and return for two points on the other end. Um, And so those are huge. It changes how you coach and play the game late in the games. And if Nebraska gets one of those field goals, if they don't have that PAT blocked, all of a sudden they're in a situation where it's – Instead of this being a touchdown difference, it's a field goal difference uh, in terms of being able to win the game. And that changes everything. It changes the pressure that's put on Oklahoma and how they do things. So it, it, these little things really, really do matter. And we're continuing to see these little things haunt Nebraska.
3: Rob Zadisk is with us. Hail Varsity Radio Pipeline, All-American, Hall of Famer. And uh, we're talking Nebraska. His podcast, of course, Doc Talk Sports. Uh, him and Travis Justice uh, kill it. They are uh, an awesome listen. And uh, be sure to check them out and subscribe. If you don't already, I'm pretty sure you probably check out Dr. Rob and Travis. So let's get into the nitty-gritty here of the offensive line between the the sacks allowed. OU's fierce, man. They've got Sunday dudes on defense. So good players are going to make great plays. I know that can happen. Dr. Rob, but when we talk just about the O-line and what isn't happening, and that's run game success, I'm glad Nebraska stuck with it. I love the patience because it paid off with some play action. But overall, when we talk penalties, when we talk hurries, it seems like the, the only guy that's performing um, is is Juergens. And I think the rest of the kids can get there, but I still think they're maybe searching a bit. And, and you know this, play and tackle. I mean, that's an incredibly difficult spot to play, and you've got two young guys playing tackle that I think we both think can be really good, but they're still just kind of fighting it.
0: They are. um, You know, at some point, the young guy label has to come off, though. Are we there? Um, At least least with Ben Hart, in the sense that you've got a guy that he's a second-year starter. I mean, he's got a full season starting under his belt. He's got experience within the program. And so you, you need to start seeing you need to start seeing that performance in terms of being able to keep those guys out of the backfield. Now there was a number of plays they did. Mm-hmm. Um and, and I thought there was a number of times Martinez did have time to throw. You get down to that late in the game where Nebraska's in a do or die situation, Oklahoma knows they're throwing the ball. And those guys are coming with their ears pinned back on a pass rush. And I did to first admit, those are tough situations to be in for an offense. It's tough for an offensive line. It's tough for those guys when you've got to block really good defensive players. And in Oklahoma, you hit the nail on the head. That's a bunch of NFL guys. You get a bunch of those. 65 280 pounders who can fly. I mean those guys are defensive ends with outside linebacker speed, but that's that's the kind of players you get out of an Oklahoma, an, an Alabama, Clemson. Those are the guys you're going to have to deal with a, at upper levels of play. I mean you quite frankly, I mean you look at guys that like uh like Nixon at Iowa last year. I mean, it's there's guys like that everywhere. When you go against those guys, at some point, you got to buckle down and be able to block them. And you've got to be able to block them in tough situations when you know they're going to be bringing the heat and Nebraska didn't get that done. Now, at some point, too, you kind of got to wonder: Well, should they have left a back end to help out? Leave a tight end to help out? Yeah, potentially. Um, it, it's a tough situation when you've got to when you got to have a game-winning drive, and some of it's also on Martinez, too. I mean, some of those plays, you got to be willing to sc- either a scramble a little bit earlier or get rid of the ball. Mm-hmm. And so some of that is on the quarterback as well, too. I don't think he can put the blame solely on the offensive line. He's got to understand that situation that, hey, at some point, I need to sprint out and just chuck the ball at the sideline as hard and as fast as I can and come back without – I mean, you lose the down, but you don't lose the the lost yardage. And that's on him as well, too. So it's not completely the offensive line's fault. But again, at some point, those guys need to be able to step up and they need to be able to make a play. Now, there are some other things I saw that were a little bit bothersome in terms of some blitz pickup and some stunt pickup by the offensive line where I don't think they did a very good job of that. And some of that got masked a little bit. Martinez had the really, really nice scramble where he got flushed out of the pocket and then just shot downfield for 20 yards on, on the run it was a great play by Martinez. Everybody replays the highlight as a great play by Martinez. It underscores the fact they brought an stunt where they brought the nose guy out. They, mm-hmm. the, uh would be the left defensive end lined up over Ben Hart, looping around. And there was a big hole where the garden center both went to the, both followed that nose guy and left a huge gap in the middle where, the guard should have come off and picked up that stunting defensive end, if I'm recalling correctly. It was either the guard, the left guard or Juergens. Um, but they, they let a stunt guy come completely free who got a hand on Martinez. Martinez slipped him, um, goes for 20-plus yards. Again, great play by Martinez, but it was a great play by Martinez because he had to bail himself out because the offensive line didn't do a very good job of what I would consider some some fairly basic fundamental techniques when you're picking up stunning defensive linemen. So the blitz pickup, the stunt pickup, things like that are things these guys got to work on. There's some basic fundamentals that they just need to get better at. Um, and that goes for the run game too, holding on to blocks, finishing blocks, being more aggressive with your blocks, Uh a good example of, of what I'm talking about here is again that Buffalo game the the phantom forward pass on uh, Logan Smothers' mm-hmm. option play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that technically, if you really want to split hairs, there it was a forward pass. The ball carrier was behind Smothers, but they're both moving forward. So as the ball's traveling through the air, the ball traveled forward from the 11 yard line to the 10 yard line technically a forward pass. However, if you're an offensive team that runs a lot of option and the referees are seeing a lot of option plays, the refs are never going to call that because they're like, hey, that's just a byproduct mm-hmm. of running option football. It kind of applies to how you block in the run game as well, too. When you see Cam Juergens downfield knocking a guy on his butt, when you see Cam Jurgens doing... Um, a pin block on a guy and, and planting the defensive lineman on the ground, he's drawn 15-yard penalties, and part of the reason for that is referees don't see that much out of Nebraska linemen, so it stands out. Mm. When you see the Oklahoma players throwing WWE moves on Nick Hendricks, <laughs> And it's not getting called, quite frankly, it's because Oklahoma's offensive line is tossing guys to the ground on pretty much every single play, because it's five NFL dudes. If Nebraska, if you saw five guys from Nebraska pancaking, pancaking defensive linemen left and right, if you saw guys doing what Jurgens did on those two personal fouls, where he's finishing blocks and putting guys on their back at the end of every single play, it doesn't stand out to the referees, I mean. And so it's it's one of these things where you gotta have five guys all together. You gotta have four other guys specifically picking up the slack and doing what Cam's doing, stitching their blocks off and putting guys on their back. One, that wears out the defense, it beats them up, it tires these guys, grinds them down. Two, when Cam doesn't, it doesn't, does it, it doesn't stick out like a sore thumb anymore, and he's not going to get flagged anymore for it. But I, I think those penalties, in my mind, were completely perfectly le- legitimate boxed by Cam. Mm-hmm. It's just the fact nobody sees that out of anybody else from Nebraska. So when the rest do see it, they're like, oh, overaggressive, that was unsportsmanlike conduct, and they throw a flag.
3: Few more minutes, Doctor Rob Zadiska, pipeline member, Hall of Famer, All-American, NFL vet. More takes on the run game. His thoughts on Michigan State, and yes, we'll hear from Coach Mel Tucker next. Uh, about five minutes away. Tail Varsity were presented by the Nebraska Lottery,
2: and we're back, so, fellas. Think we could. Listen to the radio, listen. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's
3: awesome! Rob Zadiska's with us, Pipeline Hall of Famer. Of course, uh, we're recapping Nebraska and looking forward to Sparty. Rob, I've got uh, a, a couple of minutes here. I want to get to Michigan State. A thought real quick, though, on Nebraska's scheme and and your take on... on what, what it can do effectively in the run game and what may be difficult from an ask standpoint with their scheme in the run game. Um, I, you pair it with the back, and we know Nebraska is kind of a work in progress on the O-line, and you've illustrated uh, just some great points uh, with, uh, with what, is sticking out like a sore thumb you need more cams on that line or guys playing at cams level what's nebraska do i mean they're running zone would they be better trying to get downhill and more one-on-one blocking what are your thoughts
0: i think both i mean you can run a downhill game using zone blocking techniques and nebraska runs a little bit of zone not not much, in my opinion, but they run a little bit of it. But I think they need to lean more heavily on that. I think they need to lean more heavily on that downhill running game with the dives, the pitches, the tosses, and, and get those backs moving upfield. I appreciated the fact that Nebraska consistently was trying to move the ball um, up the middle against uh, against Oklahoma, and I hope they try to do the same thing against Michigan State. If there's a benefit here going from Oklahoma to Michigan State, it's the fact that you're not going to have the same caliber of athletes. Those guys, number 11, I'm blanking on his name, the outside linebacker from Oklahoma. um, Bonita. He was, thank you, he, He NFL guy. Those two defensive ends are NFL guys. That nose guard's an NFL guy. Oklahoma has dudes across the board. They're big, they're tall, they're insanely fast. Michigan State does not have that same caliber. They're good. It's a good Big Ten defense. They're going to be really solid. They're going to be solid against the run it's not the same caliber, the same speed that Nebraska saw against Oklahoma and so I think if Nebraska decides they're going to try and lean on an inside run game, a downhill run game, I think they can do some damage and they're going to need to be able to do that because I think Michigan State's going to get their yards in the run game they're going to chew up some clock in the run game. I like Nebraska's defense and how they match up against Michigan State's offense Um It's it's a good Big Ten defense that Nebraska has right now in terms of being able to stand in there and take those body blows that a run game provides because Michigan State's definitely going to do it. I know that running back had, I think it was 264 against Northwestern, and I may be wrong on this. I thought he had 197 against Miami. He went off
3: on the Canes. Um, You're right.
0: Yeah, and so it's... It, they're going to get their yards. I mean, they're going to they're going to kill some time on the clock, and they're going to keep our defense on the field. The key thing in in this game, in my mind, is can Nebraska's offense step up and chew up some clock, chew up some time, and give our defense enough rest that they can stay fresh mm-hmm. and go out and be able to get those stops when they need to. But right now, I think a lot of the kind of the, the, the impetus right now it lies on nebraska's offense score some points chew up some clock and then they just they got to clean up the mistakes the penalties the special teams miscues these little things that that's that's you, you talk about a, a culture of a program nebraska has to figure out a way here a third of the way into the season to change the culture of the program such that they start eliminating these little mistakes these little things need to become a very important priority for nebraska right
3: now. rob zadiska dr rob uh, part of the pipeline a hall of famer in his podcast uh, at uh, doc talk sports Uh, check that out so uh, real quick dr rob and this is awesome to just get caught up with you man thanks for the time has this uh, this 2021 team driven you to sample more beer
0: <laughs> you know, I've, I've been kind of diving hard into the uh, <laughs> uh, so some of the heavier IPAs. I've been kind of addicted to pretty much everything that uh, Lagunitas is putting out there. Right, it's
3: good. Now. It's good, man. And it uh,
0: is, and my lo- my local High V carries. them, so they got some good stuff. But you know, you got a lot of a lot of good stuff here in, in, in Nebraska right now. So I mean, it, it's kind of one of those. I kind of do a constant rotation with the local breweries. Uh, up here in Omaha, I mean, we got so many. Lincoln's got some good oh, ones. Yeah. Um, still still keep, they still always have a little cosmic eye in the fridge as well. Okay.
3: So. Well, I got to send you some of the, the Hale Ale, the Hale Varsity beer. That stuff's pretty there money. There we go. We will, we will pay you in in, in beer cases, my friend. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not turning that down at all. <laughs> there he is. Uh, Husker All-American, part of the pipeline, and some great insight as to, to where Nebraska's at after Oklahoma and as they head into Michigan State. Dr. Rob, you're awesome, man. Great to talk some ball. We'll do this again, and, and thanks for the time today.
0: Absolutely.
3: Gotta love Dr. Rob Zadiska, and he's smiling about his East Spartans. Big ball game tomorrow night, Southeast East. I'll be on the call with Coach Smith. That'll be fun and uh, excited, man. Excited to, to do that, but good to hear from him on the offensive line. Some great points, uh, some some thoughtfulness uh, as, as only he can provide with the high level he played, but also he understands Elijah. He understands what the guys are going through, but he also understands the performance level needs to be better. Mm-hmm. And
1: I'll getting that here in just a second, but I will say I got that Hale Ale sitting in my fridge right now. It's good, good. isn't it? Good stuff.
3: It's, it's easy drinking. It's easy drinking. It's uh, it's good for a game day whenever you uh, you don't want to feel full after two beers. I'm going. Here's what here's what my plan is, and you're invited. So straight up on the spot. Um. So I think Will's doing the post game with me. Yeah, I already told Will today. He stopped by my house after he finished up uh, the morning show, and I said I was going to be there for at least the first three quarters before okay. I gotta get back. So what, to what I'm thinking, we, what I'm thinking, are you back here? I'm so, going to have to be back here to produce. Yeah, on on Saturday night. Oh, so it's you Saturday night? Yeah. I thought it was Connor. Uh, no, no, no. Connor and I flipped the next two weeks. Ah, so yeah. you, Okay. So what we're going to do? I think we're going to get some ribs for the smoker. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to roll the TV outside on the patio. And uh, we're gonna get some hail ale. Yes, maybe maybe some rum. Okay, yeah. And you're you're, but that's what I'm thinking. Okay, and I can even bring over my famous mac and cheese. Ooh, done. So I'll have to get some propane for the fire pit. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking it, it can be a really good outing. And uh, you'll just <laughs> you'll just got to figure out how to get back here by uh, by the end of the fourth quarter. Oh. You'll be good. I'll but be do good. we want do we want baby backs or do we want uh, short ribs? Uh the St. Louis style even. What, but, but do you want the beef ribs, the short ribs? Yeah, no, I, I gotta go for pork. Dude, I'll do one of each. Okay, fine, right.
1: <laughs> sold.
3: <laughs> I'll do I'll do uh, I'll do baby backs, a slab of baby backs, and then I'll do the short ribs. Okay, Cause have you had short ribs? Uh, I've had them done Korean style. Okay, I will do them. Schmidt style.
1: Love it. Which Love is just it.
3: dry rub and it's money. I'll bring the hail ale. Okay, good. Done. We'll get the hail bars deal you. uh, If you're heading to Michigan State, keep it red. Invade you in the Red Army and take the hail ale with you. Let's hear from Mel Tucker. Uh, specifically that Spartan culture. Uh, not a great year one. He's looking good through three games in year two.
5: Our goal is to play Physical, hard nosed football, fundamentally sound, be in great shape, play smart, you know, be situationally sound, you know, be be disciplined and play fast because we know what we're doing and, and be physical. I mean that's you know, that's our that's our goal. That's that's I mean that every single day. We talk about that and We celebrate that and show examples of that, and then when we don't get that, then we confront and demand that we do get that, those things, because that's what gives you a chance to win football games.
3: If things get ugly, we're going to play these cuts on a loudspeaker in the backyard and just slowly pass out. Uh, Mark emails in. Chris at hailvarsity.com rum what are you 12? Uh,
1: my, my vote's usually tequila nowadays
3: okay because that's because you've got a, a filthy mustache <laughs> and you uh you're 22 soon. 20, I'm almost 23 now. Okay. Man. That means I pay old. attention to you. We can go whiskey, too. I mean. <laughs> yes, we can. Let's just make. <laughs> we just go all three. <laughs> just make 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 a, a close loss, potentially just go away and have one final show ever that, together.
1: That game <laughs> show would get ugly. <laughs> oh, it'd get real ugly, and we
3: wouldn't be back Monday. Uh, more from uh, Mel Tucker here on that Red Army. Nebraska, the fan base, the invasion, the woodshed, keeping the red out.
5: Uh, with this game being a night game, uh, I anticipate it being, being pretty rowdy in there, being pretty loud. I believe that uh, Nebraska's. I think they uh, they requested maybe 2,500 tickets, so I don't expect there'll be one more uh, Husker body um, in the stands than that. there will be Spartans, and we'll be loud, and um, we'll be getting after it
3: you know when i think of loud in michigan state i think of basketball i think of occasional interest and they've had good they've had good teams they've had i mean they're not far removed from a college football playoff but i just man you want to talk about forcing it you got magic johnson putting the word out good i mean i get it you're doing good work but you want folks to recognize it and if you got to say, well you know Nebraska requested 2500 more seats well Nebraska may have like a block of 5,000 already at least back in the day they would I don't know the numbers they I, I, I will check that before we do Friday's show uh, when it comes to Nebraska and their performance against Oklahoma is that a cause for concern Mel Tucker
5: every game, every game you know has its, has its own story every play has a A history and a life of his own. You know, Martinez is a very good quarterback, and from when I've seen, when I've over the years, I mean, he's improved. You know, he's gotten better, and that's uh, a credit to him and to, and to the coaching staff. He can beat you throwing, and he can beat you with design runs, and he can also beat you, you know, on some loose plays and some, some scrambles and s- some things like that. He puts a lot of pressure on the defense. We have to have a coordinated pass rush, whether it's with three, four, five, or six. You know, we have to make sure that the rush lines are filled up, and we have to have great coverage behind it. We have to have rushing coverage working together. Um, so, you know, I know that they're working to get better. Um, they, you know, they they're explosive on offense, and they, they're playing at a high level on defense. And, you know, this is this Big Ten football game, and it's gonna be, you know, it'll be a it'll be a double mouthpiece piece game.
2: And now, and now, back to Hale
3: Varsity Radio. Back in, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us. Dr. Ben, you getting your fill of football? How you doing?
7: Hey, I'm doing well. Yeah, it's been great, hasn't it? It's a lot different than last year. Got stands filled with fans.
3: It is. <laughs> the energy's been incredible, and the fans have enjoyed NFL and college. And what did the dive into? Uh, an injury in a region around the knee, the patellar tendon uh is is uh, a region that is uh well one that has lots of miles on it for uh for the skilled guys and really all ball players but dr ben let's let's go through some of the different injuries that uh, a player can sustain with that patellar tendon region
7: yeah so the patella tendon is important basically in everything that we do because it's what connects that shin bone Um, to the kneecap, which also attaches to the thigh bone. And so kind of a more fancier term, they call it the extensor mechanism because that's what it does is it allows you to extend and flex your knee. Um, So if that is disrupted in any way, um, it is an absolute game changer for these athletes. If they they tear it, um, you know, then you actually have to go in and surgically repair it and allow it to heal until you can start walking, running, doing anything like that again
3: when it comes to severity uh, between a bruise a partial tear and and a, a full tear how how sensitive is the patella to to maybe your the ACL or you know the MCL or even a meniscus there's there's different varieties of knee injuries players suffer from but is the patella more difficult, more likely to to, to to get injured. I mean, or is it? Does it just? Does it matter? Just this was a non-contact thing, uh, in in Nebraska's instance, and you see players in the NFL and other colleges, of course, um, have the same issue: running backs or, or skill guys, or even, you know, you get a you get a lineman rolled up on. I mean, it happens during the uh, during uh, sometimes contact, sometimes non-contact.
7: Absolutely. And, you know, it's not as in the press as much as the ACL or the meniscus, um, but a patellar tendon injury can be just as severe and just as long as of a rehab. Um, You're exactly right. So you can certainly, you can certainly bruise it or kind of hurt that front portion of the knee and the kneecap region. And that's something that, you know, you rest and kind of ice and gradually get back to. And then on that spectrum, you can certainly get some patella tendonitis or some tendon tendonitis where, you know, an athlete irritates it. Sometimes they call it jumper's knee. And so if you're jumping or if you're running, it can certainly get super irritated to the point where an athlete cannot really do any of those type of activities. And you really got to lock those athletes down and have them rest for that to heal. And then on the bigger severity kind of scale, you can certainly rupture that patella tendon. And, you know, it's similar to an ACL. Oftentimes these are non-contact where somebody's running, they plant their foot, Um, And it just has this perfect set of torque that it will tear that tendon. And usually they tear straight across. And so the problem with that is, is that really the only option for that to heal and have a full recovery is to actually repair it end to end. It's kind of like sewing sheets together, essentially. You're basically repairing it end to end and hoping and, and praying that that heals over time.
3: Dr. Ben Woodhead's with us. Hail Varsity Radio at Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. So, Dr. Ben, when it comes to, uh, say, say it is a, a full tear, a rupture, your work, the, the surgery process, is it a difficult surgery to perform?
7: You know, somebody that does these types of surgeries often, it's not a very difficult surgery to perform. You're basically tacking the two ends back together. You know, the rehab is much more of difficult um, in terms of deciding how you rehab these athletes because in an ideal world, if you put the ends of the tendon back together in simple turns, you don't want that patient or athlete to flex their leg really at all. You want them to keep their leg straight for the whole duration of the healing time, which is a very difficult thing to do, especially in a high-level athlete. And so a lot of times you repair them. The surgical technique is fairly straightforward for the most part, but you're putting one of these individuals in a brace or something with their knee locked out, fully extended and straight, and you're waiting for it to heal. And so that's at least six weeks for that Um, tending to recover and heal and even so at six weeks these these athletes or kids are not getting back into sports immediately it's a it's a gradual process where they have to regain their motion Um, and it's a it's a three to four to five months recovery process where you're even doing the running and jogging type of things
3: that is got to be difficult to keep that leg straight for for several weeks and then when it comes to the actual rehab putting more weight on it and and just the the, the rehab process tell me a little bit about that that beginning middle and, and end part where you know you have your mile markers of of rehab that you go into and and what are those steps to to get back to full strength we know it's a long process You you detailed that but specifically uh, the different phases that a guy is going to have to go through.
7: Yeah. You know, I try and keep it fairly simple from that, that first six weeks, all you're really worrying about is the healing. So you're not pushing the motion. I know, you know, you really, really, really want to try and get back to activities, but um, the whole goal of this is to repair the ends and get it to heal. So that first six weeks, that is all is about in healing. And so kind of that six to 12 week mark, once you kind of feel like that tendon is healed and it's surgically repaired and You know, it's bomb-proof. The whole goal is to kind of get your motion back from that kind of 6 to 10 to 12-week range. And you're really not even doing any strengthening until that three-month mark because it really does take, you know, 10 to 12 weeks for those tendons to fully heal to where they're back to 100% and they're not going to re-injure it once you go back to sports.
3: You know, what is the process like once you once you do clear that rehab hurdle? What is lost and what is better than before uh, post-surgery? Uh, is this a situation where it's such a severe injury, a guy's going to lose a step north, south, east, and west, or if it's rehabbed the right way after successful surgery, you can get out there and be the same back receiver lineman you used to be?
7: Yeah, I think if you rehab it appropriately and you get a good surgical repair, that's the goal is that you get 100% recovery, you know, no concerns going forward, and this shouldn't be an issue um, in the future. You know, there's always going to be mental component in the back, of these athletes' minds, we talk about this often, you know, after an ACL tear or um, any other type of injury, they're always going to have that in the back of their mind, and that's something that you really got to try and put back there and not worry about it. Um, but from a functional standpoint, from the actual tendon itself, um, and the knee and speed with a good rehab program the goal is to get back to 100 percent without any restrictions or any you know loss of a step
3: dr ben woodhead's with us lincoln orthopedic center a jock doc wednesday we're talking patella tendon injury uh, dr ben real quick as we wrap here uh, lingering issues tendonitis, soreness discomfort is that common
7: yeah it absolutely is common because you take a tendon that was once normal and you essentially put it back together there's a tremendous amount of scarring and that's why a lot of these patients are stiff early on is because you have them extended out and you're waiting for that healing time and so that's part of the art is kind of transitioning from waiting for the healing but to know when you actually get them to start rehabbing so they don't have that stiffness so they don't have that tendonitis but the same in the same token you're taking knee that has not been used for however many months during the rehab process And you're gradually getting back to running. You're gradually getting back to strengthening. And those tendons are not used to it. So you're going to have a significant
3: amount of tendonitis and irritation. And you just have to work through that over time. Dr. Ben, we'll check in again soon. Thanks for a few minutes. Thanks so much, Chris
2: miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. We're in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
3: Thanks for the time. Hope you had a good Wednesday. And if you got part of the show or need to get caught up, do so with the podcast, Hale Varsity Radio, three platforms. And give us a rating, good, bad, or ugly. Want to hear from you what you think of the show. And uh, duly noted when you do uh, put your uh, review on. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Hail Varsity Radio, Herdatt, uh Media. Also, check out all the incredible podcasts with at. Miss any part of the show can also log on on-demand ESPN Lincoln and uh, some of the two-minute drill. Best parts of the show, Elijah will get up on ESPN Lincoln Twitter. Numbers to dial up, 466 76 466 hundred8 800 800-825-5865. Nebraska showed they can be capable of some good things on offense there's the big play capability and possibility they'll need to hit some on Wednesday and uh, ball, big big time ball game they're all big babbers was right on with it but this is a chance to to kind of move forward and and really did you just have a good game or are you really a good team two and two you've been up and down And uh, we'll see where Nebraska shakes out. We'll hear from Scott Frost tomorrow. Our favorite uh, Viking Charger and Buffalo Bill and Carolina Panther. And sideline reporter. And sideline reporter Jeremiah Searles with us tomorrow. Coach Gary Barnett gets us going. Brandon Vogel joins the show. And uh, Danny Burke, pride of Chicago, Burke's best bets. So a loaded Thursday. We'll be on the road at Seacrest Field ahead of the 7 o'clock tilt. For the battle for Lincoln, Southeast and Lincoln East, Coach Gingery, Coach Catula, two of the best dudes there are, and a really good football team for both squads, both 3-1 and one and ranked in the top 10. So uh, we'll be there on the road. Seacrest tomorrow, 4 to 6, ahead of the uh, 7 p.m. boot. Yeah, it's definitely like a, a
1: 90s football versus like modern football battle where East is going to be throwing the ball all over the field, air raid, whereas Southeast comes in, they're going to be running power and ISO is and trap. Walters
3: nuts. He's such a good quarterback. Uh, back is, is a great back. Of course, Catula, off the edge. You got Applegate. I mean, some really... Uh, loaded ball players in. You got Erickson for East, 6'4 wide out. You got Coleman, also a big dude, can go get the football for East. So, yeah, uh, probably a lot of points. Not that the defenses are into that, but it's, it's just kind of uh, – we'll see. We'll see if it's a high-scoring ball game or if it's your 21-17 Southeast East Slugfest.
1: I'm expecting this thing to be up and down the field. Honestly, oh, yeah. yeah, a lot,
3: a lot of good offense, a lot of good ball players. Uh, it'll be big time, and uh, we're happy to have the coverage for you tomorrow. Uh, so we will dive in. Of course, Thursday night football, NFL, tomorrow. Who you know when you put your schedule together and you're the NFL, you just you just pray that it doesn't suck. And it's been bad Monday nights because Detroit was on. And now you and I know Carolina's working on three and and0 but you get you get Carolina and Houston, and you just don't care. I swear the NFL like tries to put the most average teams ever in this Thursday night slot. It, it should not be. I'm sorry, uh, open for everybody. Well, at least it should be somewhat competitive. Put your it, well right, but and I know you got McCaffrey right. So uh, back tomorrow at four on Hale Varsity.